strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Gerbil because we are talking to the founder and CEO, Dan, of Gerbil, Jeff Whitlock. And I might as well just start off before we dive into, you know, it being fall NFL and this peace deal, all that stuff. Let's give Jeff just a, an intro because I know we have Quiz King Conch coming on at some point soon. So Jeff is a guy that started his career at McKinsey & Co., led a project management team at Vivint.SmartHome. He then built a the best-rated smart home app at the time. It had over 2,400 reviews. After leaving Vivint, he pursued his passion for Africa. Dan, you'll find this fascinating. He joined a motorcycle taxi ride-sharing startup in Uganda called Safe Boda. Safe Boda, he wore tons of hats, product manager, UX designer, call support director. He, he said the most exciting and difficult challenge while at Safe Boda was building a world-class tech team with team members from five countries, including Kenya, Uganda, Nigeria, Ghana, and the US. At Safe Boda, they successfully built and launched the product, achieving over 10,000 rides within the first four months. He had to leave for personal reasons prematurely, but the company's still going strong and doing about eight, over 8,000 rides a day. And he's now currently uh, working on a great Utah tech company, Unbird, where their goal is to make the easiest way for product teams to listen and understand their customers at scale. And he's the founder at Gerbil, head of product. Um, so. We'll see what's going on there. It seems like this Jeff is a renaissance man, Jote, jack of all trades, as we like to call him, Dan. So, yeah, sounds yeah. Like how do you spell the name of the company? Gerbil, G I R. Oh, not, not Gerbil, the on demand. Oh, like, oh, a safe boda? Yeah. S A F E B O D A. B O D A. It seems like Unbird is his one here. He, he's And he's an angel investor, a dad, founder at Founder Pod, a vanilla farmer. I'm very curious to hear what that's all about, what vanilla farming's like. Because I've never, I've honestly never heard of that. So I guess yeah, farming curious, vanilla. Curious, like, how do you get into farming vanilla? Where in West Africa was he? We'll find out. So that'll be exciting he's also a ranked choice voting advocate he has quite a linkedin profile i'm impressed like i've never come across somebody with this type of layout it's cool so we'll have jeff on in about 27 minutes approximately but then we're not coming on no corey's got calls right? but you know lodell lodell obviously takes precedent for our viewers over this it's our main business and source of income we don't make a dime off of the podcast yet you know advertising's advertisers have been calling us left and right, but we're like, listen, we're, we're holding off, but no, not yet. We'll, we'll get there, but appreciate everybody tuning in. Dan, what's going on in the world? 
I mean, just so you know, I feel like a lot of the reason that people are tuning in this time is I put in the headline. I, like, I normally put the title of what our podcast is, but this time I put Bootstrapped in the Trenches and just said the owners of Lodell, B-Town Menus, and Hungry Buffs, chop it up, tune in. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, so let's give a little update on, our, on Lodell. Break it down for a minute. Well, Mike and I have been trying to dial in these new employees that we've been hiring who are going to be our marketing reps in each one of the markets that we're in. It's an interesting year because normally we're doing the ground and pound. And this year, you know, we obviously can't really do the ground and pound because of the COVID. So we've been trying to draw up a digital plan that is kind of a combination of all the different social media platforms, but also figuring out ways to almost use those platforms to connect with people. And, you know, we've been getting on these daily hangouts with the different people in our markets. And we're also getting ready to launch a few new markets in Utah. Utah is an awesome state. I love it. Yeah, we're actually already with drivers. So technically we could launch any day there. Um, we have a ad that's starting today where hopefully we're going to try and get some customers that sign up before we even go live. And for our viewers, Dan's referring to Ogden, Utah. That's our next market launch. And then Provo and Orem. And we're already in Logan. We're kind of trying to surround Salt Lake and then make our way into Salt Lake. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting because we've never really had the approach where we try and get users signed up before we actually launch a market. Which I love. I, I yeah. think it's a cool test and it's a great way to also community build in the process where you're kind of getting people excited. And that's a marketing tactic in itself that companies have had a lot of success with over the years. Oh, 100%. It kind of just builds the awareness before we even go live. That way, right off the bat, we're getting orders. Because one of the tricky things about our business is we're trying to juggle the drivers and getting enough orders right off the bat to keep the drivers happy. And normally when we enter a new market, it takes a little while. We're not a national company where people just know us when we pop up and all of a sudden the business comes. We have to grind. So those first couple of weeks, the drivers usually, you know, they got to be patient while the orders come in. And that's why this time we're trying to build up a customer list before we go live. So as soon as we go live, we could be like, hey, we're live. And that's why Dan and I are also working hard for our viewers here. And thanks for everyone tuning in. We appreciate it. We're really with our morning mashup show with our father about the stock market, this podcast, going live for our markets with food trivia. We're trying to be here for you. And if you have other ideas of stuff you want us doing, let us know. But we're, we're really used to guerrilla marketing. That's what we built this business on, passing stuff out on campuses and at dorms and apartments and in communities and offices. We can't really do that throughout these times, but we could connect through here. And that's, that's what's been really cool about this podcast too, is we're getting to meet people in markets that we're in and going into and being able to relate to people, even though we can't meet them yet with a handshake or a hug, we'll be able to see them soon. And it, it's been cool, Dan, getting to know a lot of people through these mediums. Yeah, definitely. And You know, as far as news goes, I mean, last night was the first night we watched our beloved Giants in a while. How'd you think they looked? I, I mean, I think we have a very encouraging future. I think bold statement, but Daniel Jones, he has the name of a Hall of Famer. I keep thinking sure. to myself, this reminds me of like Joe Montana, Steve Young, Eli Manning, Daniel Jones, different scope, but both Hall of Famers. I can looking, see it. That's what I see happening. I, yeah. I'm telling you, I was telling Corey last night, he loved it. Jones Mahomes. We're going to see a couple Super Bowls between them. I love it. Well, I, 
yeah, I really liked them a lot. I thought they looked good. They're young. I think they're going to be a good team. And I like the coach a lot. Me too. I mean, yeah, yeah, Barkley, I don't know why dad was hating on him. Our offensive line cannot run block. If you look at it, like, and the Steelers are a stellar up front seven. They're some of the best. Bud Dupree's in a contract here. That guy's hungry to be paid. You could see it. And he's he's an absolute beast. So, you know, and they have uh, J.J. Watt's younger brother, T.J. Watt, who's very, a great player. They're, you know, it's the Steelers. You know what you're getting with them. And Big Ben has been around the block. I was impressed with how he was able to just peel off the rust, shake it off, and just be yeah, Big Ben. Yeah, he looks good. Well, but, yeah. What are your thoughts about the stadium with the whole no fan setup? You know, I, I got in the zone easily just watching the Giants. I, I thought I was pleasantly surprised. I, right. I thought it would be more of a big deal. I think for the players, though, it, uh-huh. not, it's not the same. There's it no way. Be. No. The volume and all those things. I feel yeah. like for the viewers, they have to do a better job not showing the stands at all on TV. Because when I'm watching the game, I feel like I'm like, oh, this feels as real as it is. Yeah, I don't know why they're even doing that. I know. And then they'll like, they keep showing the stadium. And then it like reminds me that there's no fans in the stadium. There's really, there's no point in that. I think it's something they're just used to doing and they're going to have to cut that out until it's a packed stadium again. Yeah. And I guess the good news about not having fans in the stadium is there's more camera time now on the actual players because there used to be so much camera time on the different fans. They would go like in between plays, which was cool. But now if they keep all that camera time on the players, you might get to see more on the field, which I guess could be a cool thing. And then the next thing on the news, and correct me if I'm wrong with the pronunciation here, but Boran and United Airmen. Bahrain, right. I, I United think. Emirates, yeah. and the uh, peace deal with Israel. And that, so I, I don't really know. I know this seems like one of the bigger moments in history, but I never quite know, like, is that the case? Or is this something that's kind of happened before and they're making a big deal out of it and it's a temporary type thing that kind of gets blown over after a couple of years? I mean, I, mean I, I think we're in a headline era. So, you know, of course, for Trump, this is a thing he could use for his campaign trying to get reelected here for the whole dawn of the new Middle East. I think that's just like you just said, though. This is more hype than anything at the moment. Let's see what plays out. I think there's been a lot of times in history where things are agreements are made and then nothing happens. And But, you know, this is definitely a step. I mean, yeah. supposedly Trump also predicted the Palestinians will come to the table to negotiate a peace deal with Israel. Trump is the king of laying things out that don't exist yet. And we've seen it time and time again in history. In saying that, there's been many occasions where he ends up making things happen because of that. So yeah. I, I, him laying that out, I don't know what that leads to, but that is, it, it's big news. Whether you love Trump or hate Trump, that's good for the world. Well, yeah, like yeah, it's good for the world if it's real. I'm always unsure if it's real, but if it's real, it's good for the news. And then the last thing I was and kind Jared of- Jared Kushner, we have to thank there. Uh, Ivanka, Trump's husband, who's yeah. Jewish, who's actually from our area. Sure, he has a lot to do with that. Yeah, really? a lot to do. He li- I think uh, Short Hills or Melbourne, one of those towns. Yeah, that, he had a lot. He, he drove that. Yeah. So, yeah. The last thing, and I was kind of hoping Corey would be on here for this, because I know we've talked about it a little on our morning market mashup show, but the Nikola thing, that's like been a new- um, I saw they got an upgrade, right? Well, no, I mean- just so our viewers know, the story is Nikola is 
this electric vehicle truck company that is trying to supposedly compete with Elon Musk and Tesla. And it's the stock that went public this year. It's been going through the moon. And then a few days ago, this firm called Oppenheimer released a report saying that they're basically a fraudulent company. And it caused the stock to absolutely tank. And the CEO started kind of just whining like a little girl about it. And Oppenheimer is a credible source, by the way. That's no, that's no joke. And this weekend I read through the report and some of the things in there are just so cringeworthy to the point where you got to wonder what's actually going on. And, you know, GM Motors just invested in the company or took a big stake in the company. And essentially, like one of the things in the report that just stood out that I know is one of the things everyone's talking about is they had this video ad of the truck going, showing like what their car was all about. And it turns out the truck was just rolling down a hill. There was no engine in the actual It's truck. like the early days and, of airplanes when they didn't have engines, where people were trying to build planes. That's what that reminded me of. Yeah, so the whole thing's really fascinating. And if they got an upgrade, I think it's because, like we talked about this morning, the CEO bots. Well, stuff. I, I don't even think it was. I saw a market beat report yeah. where they just up they they initiated a buy, but it wasn't an upgrade. It was just some publication. Well, what I saw happen was the SEC said that they're investigating the company now, not the short sellers, but the company because they don't know what's going on with that. There he is. What's up, Leon? And yeah, he, and, and Leon yeah. from telling it for us and Logan. And Leon, if you could type in like what that means, because I know there's this thing on, I think, Netflix called Tesla Nikola, and I don't really know what that is exactly. But well, that, that whole thing is about the Nikola Tesla, the, the guy back in the day, the inventor. So that, that's what that is. And that's why he's saying it's funny that he named it Nikola, because it's like, that's kind well, of- Well, yeah, just that the competitor of Tesla, Nikola was his first name. So that's yeah. literally, they came in trying to compete with Elon Musk. And unless your name's Jeff Bezos, be careful being in that arena, because as it is, that that is just not a dude you want to mess with. 100%. I don't, I don't know why you want to compete with Elon Musk. And he doesn't seem like he's got the pizzazz. And on top of that, it kind of reminds me of the Elizabeth Holmes situation to it, too. And For sure. really, yeah, and with that being said, Quizmaster Khan. Quizmaster Khan, how's it going, man? Going good, going good. Uh, all right. Quizmaster Sean. Literally, Quizmaster Sean. Sorry, technical difficulties for the moment. Oh, no worries. Um, shoot. Let's see. Mike, do you have the option to switch over to my other screen? Oh, wow. Look at that. There we go. And. Oh, this is great. Wait, do we have sound here, Coach? Oh, no. The sound didn't come through? Oh, you're <laughs> kidding yeah, this me. Is, yeah, I love how you're into this. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're going to have to come back next week and work on Either that Either way. One. Great great job putting time into yeah. that. Kind. Much no, appreciated. No, no, no. We, we could actually do something with that. I want to talk to you off, at, off air if you want to help us with our markets with one of those. Indeed. Uh, I've been a little sick, but my finished product, now oh, that yeah. I'm better, is going to be pretty fantastic. God, you, might, you could have just gone to Southeast Asia and done a food cart tour with the food poisoning you just had. I was going to say, are you still recovering from the food poisoning? I actually still am pretty significantly. But uh, yeah, I, I suffered less food poisoning in Southeast Asia when I was there for a month by far. So That's watch what out. happens with natural food. With that being said, Quizmaster Sean. Quizmaster Sean. This week we have two contestants. We have uh, Mike Rowland 
is uh, we're going to So first of all, we're going to do a reset of the format because we're preparing for an entirely new format next week where we're wow. introducing the danger question. The danger question. Get excited. That's going to be a lot of fun for you guys. Actually, a lot of fun for me, not so much for you. But uh, so now what we're doing is Mike is not having a different set of questions. You have the same set of questions that, uh, as everyone else, but you have one extra multiple choice question to choose from, making it slightly more difficult. Mm, I love that. All right. Well, this week's questions, we're going to start off with Mike. We have, that's nuts. Fake it till you make it. Too hot to handle. And farming. Wow. I'm, I'm going to go with too hot to handle. Too hot to handle. Coming in at 2,200,000 Scoville heat units in 2013, the Carolina Reaper was declared the hottest pepper in the world. Prior to that, what is the previous hottest pepper in the world and the current second hottest pepper? Is it the Komodo Dragon, the Infinity Chili, the Red Habanero, the Trinidad Marunga Scorpion, or the Seven Pot Head Pepper? Man, conch. I'm going to go with the second option, Infinity. The Infinity Chili. And that is... Oh, that was me just throwing a dart in a dark room there. I had zero clue. It is the Trinidad Marunga Scorpion Pepper coming in at 2 million Scoville units. Wow. And next yeah. up, next up, we have Dan Rowland. Come that. on, guys. Yeah, come you know, on. You had no idea that answer. No so, chance. So... Uh, According to my uh, paper here, it says that you were kicked out of space camp for being a flat earther when you were a kid. Is that true? <laughs> Tell us about that experience. <laughs> I feel like this is you trying to get back at me last time for tricking you into giving me the last answer as the multiple choice. Wow. So I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Yeah, uh, I for Kyrie I Congratulations to Dan Rowland for his win last week. Excellent job, Dan. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, Dan Roland, Notorious Flat Earther, here's your questions to choose from. That's nuts. Fake it till you make it. And farming. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. In 2019, Imitation Meat Company, Beyond Meat, sold approximately 38 million plant-based burgers. How many average-sized cows would it take to produce this number of beef burgers? Uh, wait, Is what's, it, uh, what's the total amount of burgers? 38 million. Okay, go ahead. Is it 800, 4,000, 32,000, or 250,000? Number of cows. 32,000. 32,000. And that is. Ding, 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 motherfucker. That is correct. Good job. And, and I really just was hoping for the best there. So. I was doing uh, some math in my head. Oh, yeah. So, so the U.S. eats 50 billion beef burgers a year, making Beyond Meat about 0.1% of total sales. Lots of room to grow hey, for the show, fake meat industry. Exactly. Beyond to the moon, folks. Con, I know you're in on that one. Of course. Great week for it. <laughs> <laughs> see. Mike, you're up next. You're one behind defending your uh, title as the champion of food trivia. We have... Uh, that's nuts and farming. I will go with farming. Farming. Mike, is it true that you, separate, separate question. Is it true that you formerly used to farm your own, uh, wine grapes to make your own wine when you were living out in Colorado? 
I did not. That was a rumor. <laughs> oh, Hold on I, a sec. Hold on a sec. Yeah. Chuck, you fucked up. <laughs> I'm going to have to do something on my intern department. They fucked yeah. up. The I, I like the thought of it, though. Maybe that's in my future. We'll see. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to get out in Washington. I think he's got a whole thing going on there. I've heard that, too. Maybe he's got some new interns for me. Now, there we go. Chuck's got to go. Farming. What state in the U.S. produces the most blueberries? Is it Alaska, California, Oregon, Florida, or Michigan? I'm going to go with, wait, say those again. Alaska, <laughs> California, Oregon, Florida. I'm going to go with California. Michigan. California. Oh, what? I'm sorry. The correct answer Florida. is Michigan, producing Michigan. 110 110 million pounds of blueberries a year. Quite remarkable. Leon, I'm now, glad you're enjoying this, pal. Nice. Leon, I, I I wish I got that theme entrance better. I'm I'm so upset with myself. <laughs> Dan, you have actually already won today. However, we're gonna go for bonus points and see. Yeah, how but much isn't you there can a daily double that I can end up winning, Conj? Like a really I'll, one of these. I'll tell you what, since Corey was supposed to hear, I did write six questions. There so we go. Mike, Mike, you get one daily double after this if Dan and gets this we, question. We still right. have nine minutes till Jeff's coming on, too. Whitlock. All right, so we're switching it to three questions a piece then just to keep things rolling. Nice. So, Dan, you have two extra categories to choose from. Your categories are That's Nuts, Global Food Trade, and The Black Market. That's nuts. That's nuts. Let's check out what we got here. Uh, cashews are the seed of this kind of fruit. Plums, peaches, red aju pears, or apples. Red aju pears. Red aju pears. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, Dan. That was uh, uh, misguided. Yeah, uh, if I, I, I got this one, I win now. I think it's peaches. Yeah, the correct the correct answer is apples. Apples. Yeah. yeah, cashews grow from cashew so, apples. This is the this is the breadwinner here since this is the third question, right, Conch? Third question counts for twice as many points. Dan yep. is up by one, so if you both get it right, Dan wins. Or if you both get it wrong, Dan wins. However, oh, Mike, this question is for you. Wait, what do you mean, Dan wins no matter what? That yeah, means Mike, the only you get it. You have to get it right, and I have to get it wrong. Well, Dan just got it wrong. Wasn't that your third? That yeah. was the second question. Dan is oh, up one nothing after two. Okay. Let me check with the judges. <laughs> I don't know. Ask Chuck. <laughs> yep, the judges say that's correct. So uh, your questions are global food trade and the black market. The black market. The black market. Only one of these foods is legal in the United States. Which one is it? Horse meat, beluga caviar, stingray, haggis, and Japanese puffer fish. I am going with Japanese puffer fish. Japanese puffer. This is for which food is legal? Oh, which it's legal. Oh, it's legal. legal. Oh, I'm Four sorry. Four out of five of these are illegal. Oh, I'll give you the questions again. Okay. Horse meat, beluga caviar, stingray, haggis, or Japanese puffer fish? I am going to go with haggis. 
It's Stingray, isn't it? Stingray. Oh, I'm sorry. The oh. correct answer is Stingray. Oh. Is I know Stingray. How did I miss that? I knew that was the right answer, too. I knew so, you were going to make oh, me trigger oh, haggis because oh. of the name. So oh. apparently Stingray tastes like a mixture of fish and lobster. So next time you're at the butcher, order yourself some Stingray. Sounds there we delicious. Go. Now, Dan, to, in order to just a victory lap here, your question is, Global food trade. What percentage of total U.S. food supply is imported? Is it 5%, 35%, 62%, or 85%? Oh, I'm so sorry. The correct answer is... Oh, shit. Correct answer is 20%. I didn't give you the actual uh, option there because I fucked it up because I wrote down five options for Mike. Doesn't oh, matter. I Mike, uh, Dan, you win anyway, even though I fucked up that last question. Congratulations. Right, Two-time champion. You win another $25 on Lodell.com, our or, great sponsor. Or Lodell the app. From, what's the slogan, Conch? Lodell.com, where food meets bellies. And with that... <laughs> This has been America's favorite podcast game show. Wow. Conch, killing it, man. We, we, have, a, we have a new production guy, I think. We do, uh, but we're, we're having some sound technical difficulties today. Not with your voice, but with the music. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to be, I, I'm firing this entire set of interns. We're going to have a new set coming next week from it the New York like Film Academy. Donald Trump all of a sudden. You're that's, that's right. <laughs> I have I have some words for the New York Film Academy. But, Tom, you uh, just sounded like Trump there for like seven seconds. That was really <laughs> funny. I sound like him uh, seven seconds there and a, another 20 <laughs> seconds while I'm on the toilet in the mornings. And with that, thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next week at... <laughs> have a good show. Conch, nice work, man. Thanks for coming on, dude. That was great. Conj is really, he's been killing it, Dan. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's been, <laughs> he's, he's eating his Wheaties. And I like it. Yeah. Jeff's uh, putting questions. He's helping edit some answers here. Nice. And my girl is lunch. <laughs> yeah. So, what uh, else is that? So, this is going to be cool to hear Jeff's journey, Dan, because it sounds like his, the pandemic has changed his path. Talk about the power of the pivot. He's about to tell us what went down with him. The journey of Jeff. Bring a glass of water before he comes. And bring young, bring young men back. Okay. So yeah, we've got Jeff Whitlock coming on, and he's had quite the journey. I've never been to Africa. I definitely want to go. I've had a couple buddies that have been out there, and it it fascinates me that he has had a startup running in Africa that he was building because going to a third world country to begin with and then starting a company there is, is remarkable. So it seems like it's, he's been on quite the path for a while and has quite the entrepreneurial spirit. And I can't wait to hear about what went down during the pandemic and what's been going on with Jeff. And we are actually going to be expanding into Jeff's neck of the woods in Orem. And we're going into, he went to BYU. We're heading into Provo and we're about to launch Ogden. So Utah is 
in our wheelhouse. We're excited. And uh, this is something we do, you know, on the side once a week. It's fun. I wanted to be in broadcasting growing up. It's fun side passion. And there is Miles, young man, Mr. Charleston, Mr. Miyagi in his early days was his nickname. Maybe we'll get back to that since he's an elder statesman now. Miles is 12, Dan? Miles is 12. Wow, Miles, you look a day not older than three. I like how you tilted the head there. Yeah. How you been, bud? You look great, like always. I'm coming down there in a bit, pal. I'm going to hang out with you in November. <laughs> you excited? Uh, he's pumped. Yeah, he's pumped. The man is quite the facial expressions. Um, but yeah, Jeff will be joining us here in a couple, Dan. We uh, Let's see what's going on with Gerbil. I love the name. I, I know we spent a while agonizing over what to call Lodell when we came up with a national brand. And our CTO, Anthony, actually came up with Lodell. So and the part about coming up with a name was finding a domain that wasn't taken. Or that wasn't outrageously expensive. Like outrageously. Like Even we Lodell we had to pay for. Oh, well, you have to pay for any of them. But like any name is like any name that you would think, oh, that's a great name. If it doesn't exist, it costs at least 75 grand. Without a doubt. So interested to hear how they came up with gerbil and how they got that, because that's a coveted name when you think about it. Gerbil. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's not like a, you know. Well, do they have gerbil.com? What's the name? How do you spell it? G-I-R-B-I-L. But yeah, it is like the animal. Yeah. When you type in gerbil, obviously what comes up is animal stuff. So what, what kind well, of business? They, they just, let's, we'll hear Jeff go into it. It sounds like they, he went from unbird to gerbil. So it's going to be exciting to hear, uh, you know, the pandemic, what that's done for Jeff. Because yeah. as we've seen, Dan, it, it's changed a lot. And a lot of people have shifted gears in life and business. And we happen to be in the delivery business, which for us, we've been in the same mode we've been in of being in the trenches and grinding, getting ready for more markets and being excited talking to our existing communities. It's been fun. Pumped to get out to those Utah markets. Me too. I love Utah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I really like uh, Logan a lot. Me too. It's really nice. Yeah, one of the more beautiful college towns in our country that I've been to, at least. Yeah, there's some great college towns in the country. Uh, there's no doubt Logan is up there. With, yeah. And you've we had never even heard of Logan, Utah before we were in this space. That's what's cool about our journey, Dan, too, has been some of the places we've been to over the years we never would have even crossed into. I know. So that's cool. And, uh, yeah, Jeff should be hopping on here in a sec hopefully Did you stay in the uh, mountain cabin when you were in logan that i stayed yeah in? of course yeah, yeah that place was so cool wasn't loved it? it loved yeah. it that'd be a cool getaway place to just have in like a byron udell pad in case shit it's the fan yeah i know well we could all, go all brought that up having like a backup plan it's smart to do that what like a place in case things get crazy you know just to know you have it yeah for sure. That'd be cool. We could all, you know, bunker up together at a place. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't come down to that. But right? yeah. Are there some issues on StreamYard today? What do you mean? I don't know. Were you saying there were sound problems? Well, no. Connell's music wasn't working. Oh, oh, that. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so yeah. Right, 
where are you right now? Where are you staying? I'm in Chelsea. Nice. Yeah, I'm here until we head out to Colorado and then I'm, uh, you know, got to decide what my next move is, but I'll get an Airbnb probably. I don't really feel like getting on a lease being committed to being here through the winter months. So yeah, for our viewers, I've been in nomad life since I left Denver, moving to New York a week before the pandemic made it really difficult to make sense of getting on a lease. So I've been hopping around and there he is. Hey Jeff guys. Whitlock, how's it going, man? Good, how are you? Sorry, I was in the, I know you sent me the link, David, I was in the uh, Google Hangout. Oh, my, sorry about that, buddy. Thanks for it's coming all, on. It's all good, how you doing? Doing well, how's life been treating you throughout these crazy times? Uh, you know, I have, do not have a lot to complain about. I'm very, uh, very uh, fortunate. Just, it's actually been really like, it's been great these last several months for me. So like, I kind of feel bad saying it because I know that's a lot of other people are not in the same shoes, but it's been great. It's crazy. We've been hearing a lot about lately. Like, I feel like a lot of people have been giving us that answer when we asked them this question, just that things have been going better than we'd expect. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, it's like multiple layers of privilege to use that word if that's not too loaded of a term. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff, are you in Orem right now? Yeah. Yeah. Orem, Utah. Nice, man. We're actually expanding our business to Orem in the next few weeks. Cool. How are you doing that? We're, um, so we're in food delivery. So it's been a lot of just over the phone stuff throughout the last few months. But naturally, like you, we're in a, a sweet spot with the industry we're in just on demand. So yeah. we're based in Boulder, Colorado, and we've been expanding throughout the Mountain West. And Utah cool. is where we're focused right now. That's awesome. Um, which part of Boulder are you guys? Uh, so our office is literally right on the border. It's a Odell place. It's like right on the border of Gun Barrel. Okay, nice. I lived in uh, Boulder for a few months during the TechStars program. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Where nice were you place. at? Uh, just, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, so it's like just uh, down Pearl Street, actually. Like just if... Wow. Um, you know the downtown area around actually it's not pearl street what's the one road that's just uh um, walnut you probably lived on walnut no one more what's the canyon is it canyon canyon yeah canyon. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so if you take canyon just kind of opposite the direction of the downtown close to the mall that's where i lived that's awesome oh, that's great man there's like a target there's like a target there yeah so was that before your africa journey began yeah that was like in the early days of unbird so early 2019 so Jeff, could you take us through? Cause it, I was doing some homework on you, man. And you have like, talk about an entrepreneurial spirit and journey that, and when you, when we always talk about entrepreneurship, you need to be able to take risks. Like a lot of people can't stomach. It seems like you have no problem stomaching that. I was talking to our viewers before you came on. I'm, I'm hesitant to even go to Africa, let alone be involved in a startup there. Can you go through what that was like? Yeah, I mean, um, so I was an early team member. I didn't start the business, so there's even people who are, uh, you know, much more intrepid than me. But um, I was like, I was a an early, really early team member. Um, just had a fantastic experience. You know, there's a lot of challenges, but there's actually like a pretty thriving tech community in Africa, in lots of different uh, countries in Africa. And so, uh, not maybe as challenging as you would think, but definitely, definitely a different slew of challenges than you might have as here in the states. In fact, there's some things actually that are easier um, in some ways because. Uh, for example, like our business, cause it had sort of a social element. There's lots of institutions that will give you grants like equity free grants. Um, 
So we were able to get like the first several hundred thousand dollars, just equity free grants to help build a business out there. Um, so that's something that, for example, you can't really get in the US. So, wow. Just a way. What? How does that work? Is that like the, the African government's giving you that grant? No, there's like all these foundations. Like, so there's this foundation called the Shell Foundation. There's, I mean, there's a number of them where their sort of mission is to sort of promote businesses in emerging economies. And if you're a responsible operator and have some sort of social element to your mission, you can be a for-profit company, but as long as there's, you can tell sort of a story of a social element, they'll, uh, there's grants. That's awesome. Jeff, yeah. can you tell, take us through what triggered you to get out to Africa? Like, where did the passion begin for Africa with you? Yeah, so for me, I I, uh, I lived there for two years from the ages of 19 to 21. Um, I served a mission for my church out there. And so it was like, and that was just kind of an arbitrary assignment. And then once having gone out there, I just had an incredible experience and it kind of stuck with me. Wow, that's amazing. And where were you based when you were involved in Safe Boda? Uh, so I was in Uganda. So when I lived there from 19 to 21, I was in West Africa, in Sierra Leone, in Liberia. And then in uh, Safe Boda was Uganda. Oh man. And what, different ends of the continent. And before you headed out there, like, what did you think was coming? Like, did you have any expectations? What was your biggest like real obstacle slash vision going in? Uh, which time the first time or the second time? The first and second time. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, first time it was just like very stereotype uh, driven perception. So like my expectations were very driven by stereotypes, you know, like, man, it's going to be, you know, just all the things you can imagine. <laughs> no good, wow. no good places to live, no running water, like just poverty, sickness, whatever, like just like the really negative stereotypes um, that you kind of, I just feel like at least back then, I think we're probably more globally aware, but this was like 2007 when I left. So like back in 2007, I just don't think there was like that much general awareness. And so most of my awareness was driven by ne negative stereotypes. Um, so that was my first time. Second time around, like I was super pumped. Uh, and like, cause I knew a lot about how, like there's so many amazing things about Africa, you know, super friendly people, great climate, lots of fun things to do. Um, challenges for sure. Like definitely things you have to adapt to, but, uh, but I was really excited the second time. And what's funny is I actually like, uh, what's funny is um, when my wife, my wife moved out there with me and she was sort of like kind of scared about it, I guess, just kind of had a similar sort of just, never been there before. What am I going to get in? What am I getting myself into? So we traveled through Sierra Leone and Liberia first and Sierra, Sierra Leone and Liberia, Liberia, beautiful countries, but just much less economically developed than East Africa. Um, you know, cause they've dealt through civil wars and they have like, they had like the Ebola outbreak. And so they're just, they're just much earlier in their sort of development life cycle. And so I took my wife there first, sort of set the expectations low. And then when we got to Uganda, she's like, this is amazing. We can live here. So that's so it's a good good move on my what's part. You, what's Uganda like? Uganda's a great place. It's super awesome. Uh just like very temperate climate. It's like seven like high 70s all the time, all year round. Rains a little bit, but not too bad. Uh got has like a decent expat scene. Um decent wow. like it's pretty I mean like safety is it, you gotta manage it. It's not something that like you just like there's some crime and you gotta manage it, but it's like generally safe if you manage it smartly and it's got some amazing amazing things you can get access to like gorillas and volcanoes and you know it's just really amazing stuff yeah that sounds awesome we, we got to get out there dan we really do and jeff and you highlight i know africa is a massive place so what was it like dealing with people in the company from multiple countries with communication and 
what were the biggest obstacles with that when you're dealing with people from five different countries? Yeah. So I know there's a lot of <laughs> people listening is going to be confusing, but yeah. So like, uh, there's so initial, so my team now, uh, we have a lot of Af like my co-founder is African. So okay. gerbil, my startup. Um, and so, and so we had, and we have team members that are African. Uh, so I think, I think maybe the, the five different countries you're getting from my current team, or did I say that for, I don't remember, but so at my current team, we have Nigerians, uh, uh, and Ghanaian. So I guess that's oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. So safe photo, we have five different countries. Safe photo. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was referring yeah. to. Yeah. So safe photo. Yeah. I think honestly, the biggest thing was just like, um, I mean, there's a number of challenges, uh, like logistical challenges, like just kind of getting high speed internet that was consistent was a little challenging. We ended up having the telecom company like dig their own fiber cable to our office. Uh, How long did that take? A couple months. Um, oh man. But yeah, like it was awesome. Like one day we just saw like, like this huge like line of workers just using picks to dig a trench for our fiber cable, like to our office. Talk like, about being hands-on in the trenches. That's, yeah, that's remarkable. Yeah. So, um, so there's stuff like that. But then like, I think the hardest thing was just kind of like, honestly, maybe being more culturally aware. Like I remember there was this one time where uh, I was doing some customer interviews. And so I came and I, and I was like sending out emails and text messages to try to set up these interviews. And I set like this one message that was like, Hey, I just joined Sapota team from the U S I'm here to help if, you know, improve the product or fix the product. I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but it came across to several people as like, Hey, you're this American that's fixing this broken African product. And like, I didn't intend that obviously, but like having been given that feedback by some of the customers, I was like, yeah, I could totally see how it came across that way. And so like, there's a lot of things like that where you just need to be like culturally aware and like, um, and be sensitive to those dynamics that like were pretty challenging at first, but you kind of, if you're willing to learn and take feedback, you adjust to it. And Jeff, did, was that a great breeding ground for you to do your own startup, like heading into Unbird? when you think about what you did in Africa as part of Safe Boda, like, did you know at the time something was brewing for you to do your own thing? No, I, uh, my wife got pregnant when we were living out there and she carried our baby to term. And then we just made the decision for personal reasons to come back to the States so that we could be closer to family with our daughter. Okay. Um, and I knew that I wanted to do a startup. Like once I knew that I had to leave Safe Boda, I was like, man, I want to do my own startup. Like, this is just so fun. Um, I forgot, I like went to progressively smaller companies in my career, like starting on McKinsey, then Vivint, then Sapota, and then starting my own thing. So, so can you tell us, was there a light bulb moment? When did, how did it all come to fruition with you getting started with your own thing? Uh, I wouldn't say it was a light bulb moment. It was just, I think it was just kind of like a gradual process of realizing like, you know, what do I want in my career? Uh, what I like, what I don't like and realizing that it's, you know, maybe honestly, to be honest, like, <laughs> I think, I think it was, I think I kind of already always in the back of my mind knew I wanted to start a company, but I was just scared to do it. And so it was kind of like a mixture of getting the courage to finally do it. And also like maybe hitting like this, like level of, uh, confidence in my career that if it didn't work out, I could make it work both financially, like having kind of a financial baseline and, and like a reputation and a good enough network where if it didn't work out, I was confident I could go back to the workforce and it wouldn't be too bad. Like I just had in my mind that I was going to go start my company. I was going to fail. And then what would I do? You know what I mean? And then once I kind of got rid of that narrative, I was more com confident to try. I think that's a great point you bring up for our viewers, for entrepreneurs, that self-confidence. And we always have self-talk and it's so important being able to have that push and to the point where it's like, you know what? I can do this. I got this. 
And that's easier said than done a lot of times when you're building your own thing. And Jeff, so can you take us through what was Unbird all about and how it's translated into gerbil? Yeah. So, uh, man, this is, this is complicated for our listeners. So I started a company called Unbird. We've since pivoted to gerbil. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about Unbird because we were like fully pivoted. Okay. Um, it's like we're just he- full steam ahead on Dribble, which uh, so basically the idea is I'll just tell you the story. So we were running Unbird as a remote team. So we had developers kind of in multiple countries, like in the US for the time being, we had developers in Latin America, Africa. So we were running across multiple time zones as a remote team. And we did that for about a year and a half. Um, and we just like really struggled with communication options. Like when you have people in multiple time zones, it was like you either had to schedule a call that was just like inconvenient for someone, like someone in their evening would be like, yeah, I can jump on a call in like 30 minutes after my kid's asleep or like whatever. Like it was just so much friction around scheduling calls. And then on the other hand, you had like Slack messages, with messages, which are great, but like I was just getting carpal tunnel from just like constantly typing out long paragraphs of messages. And like, I'd be misunderstood. My tone really wouldn't come through. You know, if someone replied, I was like, are they upset with me? And so we just felt like there wasn't, uh, like no one had really nailed communication for the, for this scenario. So, um, so we started playing around with Marco Polo, which is like, are you guys familiar with that app? No, I'm actually, I've not, I've never even heard of it. What's that about? Sorry, what Dan? No, I said, I've never heard of it either. Yeah. So it's like this, uh, it's sort of like a video messaging app similar to Snapchat, but the, the, so it's really simple just to record and send video messages, but like, they don't go away. They just stay. Um, so we started using that to pilot it and we're like, man, this is a really great way for teams to communicate. So we were like, man, why doesn't this exist for businesses? <laughs> like, cause there's, it's a, it's a social media app, right? So it's like, it's not built for teams. It doesn't, it's not lap. It's not PC based. It's only mobile. It, you know, it's social media. So your mom can be talking to you in the same place that your teammate is all these things. So we're like, why doesn't this exist? So we just started building it. And then around the time COVID hit and a couple, and we needed to make some team changes. Uh, that were pretty disruptive. So we were like, hey, we're, cha- we're, we're changing our team. COVID's hitting and we've been playing around with this idea. Let's just go full into this idea. We think it's a huge opportunity. So we made a pivot in early February to build wow. this, this video messaging tool for teams. And it's been going great. Yeah, we made a lot of progress. We have an early access program going on. We got about 20 teams on the tool using it regularly. Um, awesome. Yeah, talk yeah. about a perfect storm for timing for you. I mean, I, you can't think of a better arena to showcase your business. Yeah, yeah, it's timing worked out really well. If anything, I wish we had done it a little earlier, but uh, but we're we're happy where we're at. So, how have you been going about expanding your product, people? Has it all been throughout phone calls? Because I know, and we can attest to this in our business with relationships. You know, the handshake, the in person, trust building. What's it been like building rapport digitally to gain clients? Yeah, I mean, um, so for for clients, most of our customers. Uh, it hasn't been too hard from the sense that like, I mean, we're not like a, we're not like a super big enterprise sale. It's a freemium model. So people can just try the product. And when I explain the idea to people, they just kind of get it. They're like, yeah, that would be kind of nice. Instead of having to jump on a zoom call, I could just press record, say, Hey, uh, I have this idea, X, Y, Z, send it. And it's super seamless. And so people like kind of get the idea and they're willing to try it. So it's I, lo- I love it. I think that's really clever. That's yeah, awesome. You guys should try it. <laughs> I would love to. Dan, we need to try this. Yeah. Uh, that's for our team. I could see that being great. That's yeah, uh, it's it's nice. It's it's nice. You, there's three ways, three types of messages you can send: video, voice, and screen recording. Wow, that's cool, man. Good for you. And how did you get the name Gerbil and come up with it? 
So we're actually going to rename. We're doing a full rebrand. Uh, okay. so, so, <laughs> and Jeff, can you change. attest to that? Like, because it seems like you understand marketing and branding. We took a while agonizing over what to call our name, but when push comes to shove, how important do you think the name is for a company? Uh, I mean, I've oscillated on this. I honestly, I think it really depends on the type of company. Honestly, um, people might hate me for saying this, but like, do you guys know Qualtrics? No. So it's a uh, Utah-based company was bought for like five billion or maybe eight. I don't remember, but like tons of money for SAP. So massively successful company. Qualtrics, in my opinion, just not that great of a name. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. like it doesn't roll off the tongue, but like right. it worked for them. And so and so that kind of their kind of business is like a large enterprise um, business, and it works. Like um, whereas like you know if Slack had had the name Qualtrics, I'm not sure if it would have stuck the way. I mean, it's hard to know. I don't know. I think. It kind of depends on like is it a viral is like it a viral business that like requires lots of word of mouth or is it like a you know enterprise sales direct sales business? I think there's probably a that's probably like what it probably matters a little bit. I think if you're in the sort of if you're in the sort of like word of mouth freemium brand world and uh -huh. but if, you're in, if you're in like the direct sales world, probably not quite as important. You just need no, a name that's not so, so terrible. <laughs> do you have a name yet that you're thinking of that you're going to roll out? Yeah, we're like toying with a couple. Yeah, it's like there we have a, a front runner you want to announce. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to like, like literally. Actually, what's funny is like literally, we're like making the decision this afternoon. We oh wow! A, there's a meeting after this was like decided. Name. <laughs> so, oh man, like, Jeff, you're gonna have to let us know, man. I'm pumped to hear this. So we have like a, a top four list, um, and I don't, I don't know, like, is this gonna come out? I don't want people like Russian trademark our name before like, we oh, get the no, chance to definitely not. I mean, no. I, w I wish we were at that point with this podcast. That would be. <laughs> that's when we we can have another chat. That'd be amazing. But no, man, we're pumped. Yeah. I, so what, what do you guys think? Here are our top four. What do you like? So we're looking at Beam, Tag, ta uh, uh, Tag, Turn, and Firework. So I beam. like Beam. I like Beam a lot. Yeah, I like Without Beam. Without a doubt. Cool. That just, right when you said that, it clicked. For what you're doing, I think that's really dope. Okay, cool. I like it. Which one, which one do you like the best? That's probably my first. Beam is my first. But I also like the idea of Turn. I think Turn's cool. Turn is cool. The thing with beam, I just imagine, I think laser beam naturally. Yeah. And I, I think that's cool for what you're doing with the messaging. It yeah. just it peacocks really well. Nice. That's awesome, man. So Jeff, where do you see the future of, well, whether it's beam or turn or firework, where do you see this <laughs> going? Uh, you know, so we, I mean, we really, um, we really want to change how businesses communicate. Like if you think about it before Slack and, chat like text-based chat most you know business communication your options were like email and uh video conferencing with like those phones on the desk um and like once chat came in it really changed how teams work you know some people say not all the change was good but i think generally speaking it helped teams be more productive and better collaborate in different time zones different places different offices we want to do a similar thing we want to add you know video and voice messaging to the corporate communication stack and hopefully introduce like a more kind of human way for people to collaborate remotely. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, you definitely have a niche figured out. I think that's really special that will pop hard. I'm excited to follow. Okay, this we'll Thanks, man. That, that's amazing. So what would you, what piece of advice would you give somebody? You said it took a little while where you were like, Oh, I needed the confidence. What, what kind of advice would you give somebody that wants to start a business that's never done anything before? I mean, honestly, this is so cliche, but it's just like, just start, like, don't think about it. Don't get in your head too much. Just start. And you don't have to start big. Like you don't have to quit your job and 
you know, say I'm doing a startup, just like start doing something like pick a side project, start working on the side. In fact, um, I think one of my like sort of, I don't know if it's contrarian or not, but one of the pieces of advice I give lots of entrepreneurs is like, I actually don't think for most people, it's a great idea to immediately jump in full time. Um, unless you're like, unless you're like financially independent or you have like some incredible like asset that you can leverage, I think it makes actually a lot of sense to start, um, start small and on the side until you, cause in the early days, you know, things take a long time, right. And you mm -hmm. pivot, you pivot a lot, you figure things out. And like, I feel like when you go full time, you almost create like undue pressure to, uh, to kind of skip some of those strategic, uh, decisions or like, or like force them before you really know, like validation, for example, like, you know, you might like cut corners on validation. And so my advice for people is like, you know, if you have an idea, just start validating it. Like, tomorrow you don't need to like quit your job just start a couple hours a day you know you're going to naturally if it's a good idea it'll naturally start to get a little momentum and then you'll just feel when it's right to go full-time but like don't say i gotta start a startup and quit your job tomorrow like i mean for some people they might need to do that because that's just the only way they're going to have the headspace to do it but if you can manage both that's kind of my advice is like uh, don't think of it as such a big barrier to entry just get started that's enlightening because I think we live in this all or nothing era now where people put so much pressure on themselves like, oh, we need to flip a script. It's like, no, that's I mean, when we started our business, I was in college and I was fortunate to have that ease in where yeah, at first I yeah. didn't even know it was a business. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, I think that that really is a great piece of advice, Jeff, that I think would hold new entrepreneurs really well to listen to. That, Thanks, thank man. you for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Jeff, being in the food world, we have to ask you, what what's your food habits like throughout this whole pandemic? Uh, so I actually became vegan during the pandemic. Oh, wow. So, was so it I'm, because of the pandemic or was that something that was brewing? No, it's like, uh, it's be, well, it's indirectly because of the pandemic because I've been reading a lot more. Uh, and okay. I read this book, I read this book about like how called how not to die. <laughs> and, uh, it just convinced me to like, to that veganism was probably more healthy for me. And so it was mostly driven by health concerns. Although I do have, I did have some sort of like animal sort of animal treatment concerns too, but that wasn't the primary driver. The main thing was just like, oh, I want to be more healthy. I want to have more energy. Um, I so, so anyway, I became vegan. So my, my, my food habits are a little bit, uh, up in the air. I do order out sometimes I use a, I'm a, my wife, especially, we're big DoorDash users, although lots of uh, DoorDash customers don't have vegan options. So, oh, Jeff, uh, we'll, we'll have to get you some vegan options and convert you to Lodell when we yes, get in your neck of the woods. We'll, we'll, oh, yeah, we'll make sure to get some vegan options on there. So, <laughs> is, Jeff, DoorDash, is DoorDash pretty big in that town? Yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, it's become a lot bigger over during the pandemic. Like pre-pandemic, no one had heard of it. Now it's, now it's uh, pretty well there. known. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that. They're a big competitor in our space. We've been in that world for like a decade and a half. At first, it was like us and no one else, and now you know the last few years, you have Uber, DoorDash, Grubhub, everyone mm -hmm. and their mother. Pretty much, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> that is <laughs> but, crazy. But yeah, um, but yeah, we're pumped to be in your neck of the woods. Utah is a gorgeous state. It's but we've spent yeah, some good time out there. And so Jeff, what would your last meal on earth then be? Even if it's if vegan, there's some great vegan food. Well, I mean, that's what I was like, when I saw this question, I was like, uh, I know what it, I don't know yet. I don't know what my new favorite vegan dishes are, but I will say what, before I became a vegan and I probably, if it was really my last meal, I'd, yeah, probably, it, yeah. I'd probably quit veganism and go to what I love. If I do. Okay. So, there we go. <laughs> some, some vegans out there would be like, you can't call yourself vegan then. <laughs> like, uh, no, but if, it was my, if it was my last meal on earth, I'd probably quit cheat. Uh, and I'd probably go with, uh, there's this food called knefe. Have you heard of it? 
I have heard of it. It's like a Palestinian cheese dish. It's like the most of what you find in the US is not that great, but if you can actually get it in Palestine, it's incredible. Like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Um, so I would probably eat that. Wow, Jeff, that's been our most unique answer. And now I'm gonna have to hunt that down and eat some. That, it's, that it's so incredible. Yeah, and Jeff, for our viewers, before we have you off, where could they find your company? Where's the best place to spot you guys out if people want to test you? Yeah, um, go to gerbil.com. It's G-I-R-B-I-L.com. Or maybe hopefully soon some iteration of Beam. Maybe get Beam.com. We'll see. I'm excited, man. Let us keep us posted on the name and hopefully we could cross paths and break bread when we come into Orem pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, let's, let's do it, Mike. Sounds good. Thanks again for coming on, Jeff. Congrats Thank on you. Luck, man. Yeah, good luck, man. We're pumped for you. Thank you. Thank you, Dan, yeah. Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Dude, I mean, that that company right there, my guess is if he executes right, Slack buys them. I mean, yeah. that is like a, idea. Dan, that's a really clever idea. I know 100%. me and you have talked not about what that specifically. Remember when we discussed that whole notion when people are on calls and they always interrupt each other on like group chats, yeah. having like some sort of methodology around that. I love the whole niche he's focusing on. As we know, it's more popular than ever. I like the name Gerbil, though. I'm not going to lie. I like the name Gerbil, too, but I love the name Beam. Yeah, Beam's cool. I, I think it's good having a one-syllable play when you're in that world. 100%. So what, what's the young man and Dan doing for dinner tonight? I think Danny's making Hello Fresh right now. I think oh, I thought you were saying Hello French toast for a second. I was like, Danny's really. No, she did pick up a loaf of that yesterday. For me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Making Hello French toast. The next has, has Danny been eating a lot more carbs since you've been chilling with her at, in South Carolina? Probably. <laughs> yeah, right. You just yeah. randomly shadily throw the Oreos in the cupboard. Oh, See, that's the problem with Dan for our viewers. Like I eat pretty healthy, but when Dan's around, He'll just get cookies and not even eat them. Oh yeah, this looks great, and yeah, they just I always, linger, I linger. Cookies in the apartment now. Always. Yeah. So and young man probably has gotten a bite. Yeah. Good stuff. I think this was a fun one. And uh, Dan, we'll be back on morning mashup tomorrow morning. Speaking of morning mashup, Nicole is tanking right now after hours. Probably. Oh more, boy. More fraud reports. It sounds like that guy is probably off the. I could see him vanishing. Like we'll never hear from him again. I think, yeah. Musk yeah. might have turned him into like a piece of dust. And Adobe is soaring after hours on earnings. We talked about that. There we go. Wish I was on the Adobe train. I am not, but that's awesome. Well, I, I got to go crush some food down. Bootstrapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lowdale, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.